0: As a free, not for profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au/slash donate. Cradio! Welcome to another Cradio interview. Today, Mark Griffin from Perusia sits down with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers to discuss his latest book, Father Augustus Tolton. They speak about the life of Augustus Tolton, the first African American priest how his life and struggles can be an encouragement for us today and the progress of his cause for canonization. Here now is Mark Griffin.
1: Joining us as part of his sixth speaking tour down under here in Australia, welcome Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers.
2: Thank you. It's great to be back uh, in the land down under once again.
1: Now, at the time of recording this, this is your first full day on this tour, you had a bit of a frantic start yesterday. Had a bit of trouble getting here.
2: <laughs> yeah, some uh, flight delays and uh, had to uh, end up taking another airline to get here, And uh, but made it to the talk. And, Main uh, thing, you're here. We're, we're yes. up and running.
1: We had a fantastic event last night, and, and the tour's up and running again. The focus for today's conversation will be your latest book uh, on Father Augustus Tolton, and we're really excited at Perusia to be able to be distributing this book for the first time at PerusiaMedia.com. Can you give, first of all, the listeners a little bit of a teaser on who is Father Augustus Tolton and what encouraged you to put this book together about him?
2: Yeah, so Father Augustus Tolton was the first uh, black priest in the United States. Um, He was born a slave in uh, Brush Creek, Missouri in 1854. Uh, Both his parents were slaves. In fact, his mother was a wedding gift. Uh, the, 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 he was owned by. Uh, she was owned by a slave owner His son got married And when his son moved away Gave her as a wedding gift The son started his own plantation So the, on the son's plantation Was Augustine Tolton's father And that's how they met His mother and father So they had three children Including Augustus um, And uh, so his father escaped Through the Underground Railroad To fight in the Civil War Died very early in the war his mother subsequently escaped through the underground railroad to Quincy, Illinois, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were baptized as Catholics. In fact, uh, on his birth certificate it says um, Augustus John Tolton, uh, property of Stephen Elliott. Well, wow. yeah, you know. So, um, but so they got to uh, uh, they got to Quincy, Illinois. Wanted to go to church, and they ended up church hopping because the p- parishioners rejected them. The nuns and the priests welcomed them with open arms, but the parishioners rejected them. Now,
1: in the Catholic Church back in the day, there were some parishes where the African Americans were part of the parish but segmented. Is that right? That's so they correct. were able to attend, but they weren't in the main congregation. Well,
2: th- this was even before that. Actually, okay. this is because this particular part of Illinois had no blacks in it, really, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, uh, so they they just didn't want blacks worship. So, so, so what they had was like black churches. And then they had religious orders like the Franciscans that would serve the black Catholics. Right. So you're right. So this was even before blacks were allowed in the white churches. They would sit in the back or they sit in the choir loft yes. or something like that, apart from the congregation. This is even before that. Okay. So they had black Catholic churches, but they were small and very poor. And um, and sisters were trying to help, and they had some priests that were trying to help. Um, but but they tried to go to a traditional parish and. Uh finally were accepted into a parish because they were the Irish priest yes. that was there and he didn't take all the gruff from the people and and um so he was the one that first noticed that Augustus may have vocation. And he was a Franciscan, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah a- encouraged encouraged him and um uh eventually uh, helped him to apply for seminary where he was rejected by every seminary in multiple times because he was yep. black. Yep. Um and uh was almost almost discouraged, almost gave up. Um, But he was encouraged to keep going, and then eventually the uh, Vatican, through the Franciscans, Uh superior in Rome, uh, let the uh, cardinal uh, who was in charge of the uh, priestly formation program in Rome at the time, heard the story and said, yeah, we'll take him, and so he went to Rome, trained to be a priest, and uh, they sent him back to the United States, back to Quincy, Illinois.
1: When he was uh, originally, when he went over to Rome, he it wasn't his intention to come back to America, was it? It was his intention to then become a missionary in Africa. Was yeah, that, is correct. That the
2: case? Because it's the um, it was called the Propaganda Fidei, the propagation of the faith. So it was a seminary that set up in Rome specifically for countries that did not have seminaries. Right. And so they would identify young men that would be good candidates for the priesthood. They but they had no uh seminaries in their country or in their diocese, so they would send. Um, the pre, those, those men to Rome, train them to be priests, and then send them back to serve in their country, right? So be, and because Augustus came from a country that had seminaries, they said, well, they'll send me someplace else, like Borneo or some country in Africa or you know, a place like that. And, uh, but they said, no, they need this country that, that says freedom and rights for all need to see you. Yes. And so they sent him back. To Quincy, Illinois, and is it
1: true that he actually balked at that? Like he, well, he got yeah, to the point he where he was, was ordained. Because and-
2: after he was ordained, he got his assignment. Yes, and he, like I said, he was looking forward to going someplace else. Yes, but when he heard, I mean, he it was he was like, oh no! He goes because he had he, been in Rome. He was for the first time in his life he was viewed and re- and treated and respected as a human being, made in the image likeness of God. He experienced no racism. In Europe, yes, uh, and at the Vatican. So he was like, "I have to go back to this again," you know, yes. and and uh, so he went to the Adoration Chapel. And was like just despondent, and then he started reflecting on Jesus in the agony of the Garden. You know, not my will, but Your will be done. You know, take this cup from me. You know, right. And so he said, "Well, if this is what You give me, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll I'll accept it happily." And and he ended up going uh, to Quincy, and, and and uh so it was so th- this time the the roles were reversed. The parishioners. Accepted him and, and actually came To his church Even white parishioners Yes Came to his mass But it was the priests now Who didn't like the idea Of a black priest uh, Kind of in a sense Not stealing But they were just Enamored with him And so the white priest Told the white parishioners If you go to his church It doesn't count For your Sunday obligation
1: Which is terrible Which is ridiculous <laughs> yes, And not absolutely. true
2: Yes um, And of course The bishop really didn't support uh, talk. He, he tried to sit down And talk with these priests Why, We're both priests Why are you treating me this way And and this bishop didn't support him, so he ended up going to Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, Cardinal um, Fian was the uh, Archbishop of Chicago at the time, he said, no, come up here, we could use you, and basically put him in charge of all the black Catholics for the entire uh, diocese, which was a massive undertaking, in fact, um, which eventually led to his death. I mean, he died of... Uh, Uremia, which is a complication from heat stroke. And
1: very young as well. 43. As I at understand, he was, he, he was coming back from a, a, a retreat or something, was he? And he, he yeah, actually died, died in the street, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was yeah.
2: doing speaking engagements, which he didn't want to do, but he did them because um, they would pay him. And he, he would use the money to build St. Monica's. St. Monica's, Paris, that's was, it. Yeah. yeah, was the church that he was trying to build for, for his community. They started off in a storefront mm-hmm. and eventually got the money to build one level of the church but they but they in fact it even after that it never got finished it never got built
1: that's right yeah i yeah. I, I, I remember them i uh, i've heard a bit about his story and and they said that the um, the whole process of putting this parish together just the fundraising it was he he was a little bit not despondent about it but just bit by bit and it was maybe a god's last gift to him that that he passed away before the the building works were basically um, shut down, and, and mm. so he didn't have to have that that happen in his lifetime. So maybe a blessing for him at the end of it all.
2: Yeah, and he received um, uh, some gifts from Saint Catherine Drexel. He wrote yes. a couple of letters to her because I you know the Drexel family, in the United States, is a as a very wealthy mm-hmm. family, philanthropist, and uh, and she used her part of the inheritance to to uh, uh, to work with um, disenfranchised people, so Native Americans and, and uh, Hispanics and, and blacks. And so um, uh, so she did help him financially as well. How I got interested in him was um, when I was going for confirmation, and back then I was in grade seven. So I was about 12 years old, 13 years old. And I was trying to look for a saint that looked like me. Right. You know, Because I grew up in a predominantly white uh, parish, and we were one of the few black families. And so I was looking for black saints and came across a book, on Father Augustus Tolton by accident. he was He's not a saint, but I said, who is this guy? So I just kind of read about him. I couldn't yeah. use him, obviously, as my as my confirmation name. But that was the first time I came across and kind of followed in the back of my mind until about 2005, where Ignatius Press re-released that book that I saw right, okay. when I was 13, that yeah. they bought the rights and re-released it. And so I did promotion for that book, and then I wanted to write my own book. Was, and people in Australia saying well, why should I care about... This American guy right? That's a fair question But what I do in this book Which I think people find uh, Very very helpful Is I share reflections On how uh, On things going on In our culture today And how we can um, Really become closer to God Looking through the lens Of Father Augustus Tolton's life So overcoming racism Building strong families Finding joy in God's mercy The power of prayer You know And so uh, I give real-world practical ways that we can do that, looking at it through the lens of the life of Father Augustus Tolton.
1: I'm glad you've gone there, because if you look at the the society where we are now, uh, in current times, people are leaving the church in droves, and a lot of them are citing the scandals in the church, or, or what have you. If anyone was in a position to turn their back on the church because of what was going on, it was something like someone like Father Tolton, with all the... Everything that was going on and, and all the racism against him, if anyone had a right to, to turn their back on all of that, he was that person, but he didn't do that. So, what can we learn from his example and apply that today when we're dealing with these people that are heading away from the church in droves?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, why didn't he leave? And the thing is this he focused on the teachings. He would say, the church is our mother. And, you know, uh, and we have to focus on what our mother teaches. And not the example of the people in, in the church who are all sinners and needed God's mercy. So you focus on the teaching and not the people. Because think about it, Jesus had twelve apostles. One was Judas. Yes. So there's always going to be Judases in the church. There's always going to be people who call themselves Catholic, but are really not living the Catholic faith. I mean, we've seen that with all the scandals going on. But but again, we shouldn't be discouraged. And think about it. We're t- we're talking about what two percent of of priests that may be involved in. Uh, um, homosexual behavior and and things like this, but you got 98% of the priests who are are rolling up their sleeves, serving the people of God very well, doing a great job bringing people to deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that's what Augustus tried to do with his life. And uh, I think people can be inspired uh, by his example of how he, when when people were treating him a certain way, he he didn't treat them the same way back. He tried to to treat them with love. He tried to sit down and actually have dialogue with people. Sure, if you just see me, if you just talk to me, you'll realize that I am a human being made in the image likeness of God. That that what you're that this stuff that you're hearing about black people or whatever that's a lie. Just sit down and talk to me. He wanted to engage people, and that's what we need to do more in our culture. We need to start listening, stop thinking with our emotions. You know, start feeling all the time and start thinking.
1: It seems like you know, with a lot dialogue. with a lot of these issues these days, you you don't get dialogue as much as you get debates. One side yeah. says what they want to say, the other side said what they want to say, and there's no real discussion or dialogue beyond that. And it's actually quite frustrating. You see all these things online these days about all these what are marketed as debates, but isn't it – we have to take it further than the debate itself where you're just getting two sides presented and the audience can make up their mind which one is more compelling. Yeah, see, and, and,
2: and the thing is, it's not uh, – because debates are often about who's right or who's wrong, and the focus should be on what's true and what's not true. Sure. Ultimately. Because as, you know, as I said in the talk last night, truth is a person. Mm-hmm. Truth is Jesus Christ, the way, to truth, and the life. Truth is a dynamic relationship with the living God. Right? And when you're living the truth of God, then you're really free, and and that's what even though he he was a, a slave, he was free. Sure, you know because his mind was freed. Yes, it's a culture and more relativism and is what uh, Pope Benedict called the dictatorship of relativism and this and this uh, individualism. It's all about me. That slavery. Sure, you know the, the, the truth of Christ frees us to be who God created us to be, and that's the point.
1: Absolutely, and and you're talking about that relationship. Now, Father Tolson must have been an incredibly prayerful man to be able to face the struggles which he faced in, in the way that he did. Can you speak a little for us on the power of prayer in our lives, considering that God knows our hearts and our desires before we know them ourselves, but why it's still so important for us to have that conversation with God and to take our, our desires and our struggles to God, and not just that, but... We, it's a conversation. It's about listening as well. It's not just about saying to God, I want this, I want that. There's a whole conversation, and we've got to then step back and hear what God's saying to us. Can you can you open yeah, that up a little for us? you know what's
2: interesting is if you look at many of the rites in the church, how did they all start off? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Almost every Catholic thing starts with the sign of the cross, <laughs> but not baptism. If you go to a baptism and you open the book, The very first thing you see is, what name do you give this child? Now, why? Why? Because think about it. If I'm going to meet you for the first time, Mark, I'm going to extend my hand and say, Hi, I'm Deacon Harold. You can say, Hi, I'm Mark. Because the first thing you do when you get to know somebody is, What's your name?
1: Yes. It's the introduction.
2: Your introduction. So, in this beginning of this person's journey with God in baptism, he wants to know your name. What am I going to call you for all eternity? What am I going to know you as for all eternity? So, and what we do for the rest of our life is a deepening relationship and intimacy with the Lord. And you can't get to know somebody without talking to them. That's it. I mean, Mark, when you met your wife, did you just read about her in a book? I'm going to marry her because I read this great stuff about her in this book. No, you you have to talk to her. (laughs) Yes. You have to talk. you have to engage her personally, intimately. And that's what we do with the Lord. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with the Lord of deepening intimacy where we're opening our heart to him. He's giving our himself to us totally, completely and freely. And the best place to do that is where Augustus found solace is a Eucharistic adoration, Right. you know, um, in that silence and in that quiet, why is that important? Because we live in a world that's full of noise and distractions, you know, iPods and iPads and television. I'm not saying those things are bad, but they're tools. They're not, they're not our life. And so, um, when God speaks to us, he doesn't speak to us with the ears on the sides of our heads. He speaks to us with what St. Benedict called the arm cordis, the ear of the heart, because that's where God can change your life, is in your heart. And so in order to hear that voice, you have to be quiet, right? So Psalm 46, verse 11 says, be still and know that I am God. And the word there in Hebrew is yawda, for knowing. And so you can translate that, be still and experience God. And it's in that silence in that quiet where we can listen to the voice of God and truly allow that voice to change our life. And that's exactly what it did for Father Tolton.
1: And basically pay attention. I mean, you tell uh, the story within your own presentations that you give about when your wife will come in and your kids come in and you're working on the computer, you'll shut the computer so that they know they've got your full attention. I suppose it's a similar sort of thing. If you're half listening to someone, you're only half hearing what they're trying to get across to you, and it's it's the same with God, isn't it?
2: Oh, exactly. And um, you know, and sometimes, sometimes we try to put the relationship with God on our own terms. Yes. Okay, God, uh, uh, let me tell you what I need from you. Yes. Or, or let me tell you how this is going to go. Uh, no. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I tried that when I was going to leave my full time career to speak and write full time. I went in there with this list. Okay, Lord, here's the pros, here's the cons, here's the, and and I was not getting an answer. And my spiritual director said, "Okay, here's what you need to do: shut up and listen." <laughs> Stop talking and listen. Yeah. And so I went there and I just said, Lord, I you know, I, I I don't know where you want me to go with this, but you know what? I'm a clean slate. Draw all over me. Sure. Whatever you want, that I'm ready. And just I kept going for months. And finally just, you know, there was a, a piece that just came to me and said, Yeah, this is what this is what you need to do. And it was scary. Yeah, absolutely. Scary, Mark. You know, but it was scary for, for uh Tolton, for Father Tolton as well. You know. Um uh, to to try to face that unknown, you know the first bi- what is that going to be like? There's no precedent. There's no one that he can follow. He was the trendsetter for this. Yeah. And boy, the the things that he put up with. But what that did was it opened the door. It opened the door for other young black men to see him and to say, if he could do it, I could do it too. And what what fortunately by by um, the time he died, um, there were the Josephites mm-hmm. who came to the United States specifically to serve. The black community there, um, and then they started this, the first seminary, which allowed uh, black men to come in and, and be priests. But that was after Tolton died. But he was the he was the trendsetter. He was the one that opened the door. Beautiful. Now his his cause for
1: canonization is currently underway. Can you give us a, a bit of an update of the progress of that?
2: Yes. So so far, he's been made venerable. Um, and so now he needs a miracle in order to become blessed. Is there a miracle being investigated? Yes, or there is. Okay. There's a, there's, I think there's two of them actually being okay. investigated now. Um, and, and then uh, after, if that's approved by the Holy Father, uh, then he needs one more to become uh, a saint.
1: So it can't be one is
0: uh, – No, you can't. It, no, it has to be no, new no, one after correct. he's beatified, correct? Correct. Now,
2: yeah. after the beatification, though, the Holy Father can waive the second miracle and and um, Pope Francis has done that. He I forget what saying it was, but he waived the second miracle to allow that to go forward, but you need at least one for the first one to So,
1: have we got a progress update on the the cause for the beatification at the moment or is No, no, they're still investigating.
2: That takes a long time. But what I love about the Vatican's process they use atheists, right? and non-believers yes. as, as a sign because you know, they have to be able to say there is no scientific explanation for they look all the medical records and if an atheist says, Well, no, actually there's this process that could have happened, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're looking at it totally objectively.
1: There's no bias in that
2: no bias at all. Yeah, yeah. And so that I love that process.
1: Beautiful. I mean, it's exciting to hear that there's, I mean, in the Catholic Church, we're blessed with so many saints, the communion of saints there that, that we can interact with and, and pray for their intercession. And it's exciting to hear that there's another one that's, that's possibly on the way. So we look forward to news of that and, and really hope that that comes through soon and um, and that Father Augustus Tolton can be a role model for, for so many to follow him. Uh, so just to remind everyone, as I've said, that's uh, the book Father Augustus Tolton by Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers is now available Uh, through Perusia on uh, www.perusiamedia.com so you can get to the website you can get your copy of that book now Deacon Harold's going to be in Australia for the, the next couple of weeks and then he's heading off on the first perusia pilgrimage, heading over uh, to Fatima, Lourdes, I think you're going to Spain as well. Uh, the footsteps of Mary, basically, where we're, we're tracking Mary, and it's a Marian pilgrimage. So, so we're looking forward to, to that with you, Deacon Harold. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to your, your time in Australia, on your, your sixth visit down under. And uh, you're always a very welcome guest. We love having you around, so thank you so much for your time with us
2: today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a great honor and privilege to be here with you today.
0: Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. That was Mark Griffin with Deacon Harold Bergsivers on Father Augustus Tolton. To find out more about the events Perusia is running, visit perusiamedia.com. You can also visit Deacon Harold's website to stay in the loop with him and to gain access to a bunch of his great resources at deaconharold.com. And for your favorite source of Catholic talks, interviews, and shows, visit cradio.org today